Hallo, mein Name ist Christiane Wirz. Ich bin Coach und Autorin aus Köln und weiß, wie sich etwas aus Krisen machen lässt. Herzlich willkommen. Heute haben wir einen ähm, ganz bestimmt interessanten Interviewgast, der wieder mal über eine Videokonferenz zugeschaltet ist. Wahrscheinlich wird sich das in der nächsten Zeit auch nicht mehr groß ändern, erstmal so mit diesen Covid-Maßnahmen. Äh, eben nicht nur in Deutschland oder in Köln oder wie auch immer. Ähm, jedenfalls äh, spreche ich jetzt mit Tom Matt. Tom ist ähm, etwa in meinem Alter, kommt aus Atlanta, Georgia und hat vor kurzem ein Buch veröffentlicht, das heißt äh, Jesus Goes to Hollywood, A Memoir of Madness. Äh, also von daher äh, sind wir ins Gespräch gekommen, äh, weil Tom eben auch eine, ja, sagen wir mal so, psychotische Episode erlebt hat und Tom ist Marketingfachmann und wir gehen gleich näher in die Details. Jedenfalls ähm, war er nur zu bereit äh, zu erzählen, was er alles so erlebt hat und was jetzt so seine Mission ist. Hello Tom, I just uh, said a little bit about you, about your book that you wrote and that you're more or less in my age and that we share this, uh, let's say, psychotic experience and a little bit uh, we are heading in a, in, in, a, in a similar direction. So welcome, Tom. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. Nice to hear you. Tom, tell us a little bit about um, who you are. I mean, like you're Tom Matt, you're living in Atlanta and... Uh, Who have you been before this Jesus thing and who are you now? That's good. So my name is Tom Matt. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I have a background in marketing and advertising. I had an advertising agency. I was an owner of an advertising agency in Atlanta, Georgia for 20 years. Um, in 2000, December 2011, I had a psychotic break from reality, a drug-induced psychotic break from reality. Um, where I walked out on my business, my family, and I spent a year traveling the globe, spending all my money because I believed the everything I heard or the music that I was listening to was telling me what to do. I believe um, that the songs I was playing, because I had my headphones in all the time, whatever song I was listening to, there was another message specifically for me, and I should obey that message. Um, it was unbelievable. Um, so after a year, I kind of, well, actually almost a year to the day, because it's my journey starts, believe it or not, my journey starts with me trying to burn down my house um, in the suburbs of Atlanta, because I believe that government satellites were following me. I believe that my business was a front for my advertising agency was a front for another business. I believe my children were aliens, imposters. So I had to get out. And I believe I left. Yeah, it's true. And um, and I was doing I was up. I should say, obviously, but some people with mental health go through mental health crisis are not on drugs. I was at when I started. Um, so, yeah, so so I wrote Jesus Goes to Hollywood, a memoir of madness about the year that I was um, completely disconnected from reality about when I hit my bottom. I was homeless for weeks um, in California and how my mind came back together and slowly healed itself. And it changed. not only did I get better, but because of something that happened, my brain, I maybe well, the doctors say something was opened up from the drugs I did. The way I see the world is different. I have a neurodivergent brain now. Um, 
I say I'm on a constant state of hallucination, but that's not true. Well, it's true, but it's not like it interferes with my, my daily activity. All I need to do is shift my attention and soften my eyes and look at a wall or shut my eyes. And there's something playing and I'm literally seeing it in my field of vision. I call that skill upsight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a bunch of doctors saying, listen, I, you know, I, cause we've, I've seen so many movies. If something like that happens, it's because you have a tumor or lesion or something's horribly wrong with you mm-hmm. and MRIs and there's nothing wrong. So I re emailed doctors again, this is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I emailed doctors to, uh, you know, what's going on. And, um, finally, um, Australian doctor who heads up the international hallucination consortium got back to me and I've got another doctor in um, San Francisco at the Smith Kettlewell Eye Institute. They want to study my eyes because, or they want to study, see what's going on with my brain because people can have hallucinations without a mental illness Mm -hmm. Um, or you, somebody like, um, there's something called Charles Benet syndrome where people who hallucinate because they have macular degeneration. Mine's not because of that. I have my eyes are fantastic. So all this thing, all these things have been postponed because of COVID. But that is what I plan on doing next year. So this has been a, a there was a lot of things that were supposed to happen for this year. Many things with mental health speaking I was supposed to be doing that obviously, like everyone else, it's been canceled for 2020. So yeah, the book is my journey, my recovery, how I got better, how my brain changed, how the family healed, and how that even if you so know somebody who's going through a mental health crisis. And an addiction crisis, there's hope. There can be hope at the end of it. And good things, not good things, better things can happen for sure. Tom, can you describe that a little bit for people who haven't experienced things like that? I mean, like now you're the master of your experiences and and you're still in reality. So what, for example, do you see and how do you get back to, let's say, normal reality. Okay. So for me, when this happened, I was 49 years old. Do I have drug use before then? But I was five years sober before this happened. I would get two years clean. I would pick up and use again and use for a couple of months or maybe a year. And then I'd say I have to get clean again. So let me separate the addiction part of it from the mental illness. And I knew, you know, when I was, I was like, I need to get better um, with my addiction. So I have a history of drug use and I knew what my brain was like on drugs. It wasn't happy, but it did not quote unquote disconnect from reality. Mm-hmm. When this happened, when I disconnected, um, like I said, I believed, I believed these, um, something that anybody else would tell me has to be ridiculous, but I believed it. Like my children were replaced by alien doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I, but I believed it at the time. So, so then, so I knew what it was like to have a normal brain. I knew what it was like to be in a mental health crisis For an extended period of time, because during that mental health crisis, I say I started on drugs. There was a lot of the time during the year that I was not on drugs, but I still um, had delusional thoughts and psychotic thoughts. But then at the end of the year, um, I got completely clean and my brain slowly healed itself and changed. And now for the last eight years, I have um, this bizarre ability, but I don't have a delusion. I maybe a delusional is not the right word. Maybe it's a creative. You know, but delusional is something that's ridiculous that you believe. Now, if I have a creative thought, it's I understand it, and it feels different than a normal thought. And these hallucinations um, are like something is open in my brain. It's like a waking dream state. Actually, something mm-hmm. anybody can relate to. You don't have to hallucinate. It's literally like when you're dreaming. I can 
shift my gaze and see something like that all the time. And I can even influence it. I can think, change it, and it changes. So I wouldn't say I was a master, but I would say I'm working on understanding what happened to my brain. And I don't need to be on drugs for it to happen at all. Uh, it just it's it's there all the time. I just need to shift my attention to access it. Um, and I, people, uh, probably people that are, this is a mental health podcast that have schizophrenia, that other mental illnesses. Um, I, there's so much research that needs to be done. If I was diagnosed, or if this happened when I was younger in my 20s, most when most diagnoses of schizophrenia are, and I've never been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Let me be clear about that. But um, when they happen, I don't know if I would have been able to know before, you know, because you're a teenager before that. But since I had so much time with my brain before, <laughs> does that make sense? And after I know the difference before, during and after. And they're completely different. Um, uh, you know, it's completely different. The way I see the world is completely different. Yeah. Neurodivergent is the best word for it. Uh, something changed my brain and the way I consciously move through the world now is different. Than um, I don't know how to tell you that. But in a way, I feel a little bit like it's um, you need to be in a translational state. You you need to be able to translate. I mean, like to translate a picture in another language, for example, you read a certain word and sometimes you can, in a certain context, you read it in this way and in another context, you read it in this way. Like if you have a dream, It's the dream language. It's the symbolic language. It's the metaphor language. If you see a certain picture or whatever in the 3D reality, like a, an orange or something, it's just something that smells like an orange and tastes like an orange and has a certain color and stuff like that. But in, in other contexts, it could mean something else. Well, that's interesting because when I was delusional, in 2012, if I would hear words or read words, I there was again, I thought they were sending me messages that was unconscious. So my brain was translating some part of this song or something I read into a message that I would act on. I didn't even know it. I just thought it was a thought, but I was getting it from the words. Um, but after once my brain healed, I would read something. And I was like, hold on a minute. My brain is paying more attention to these words than these words. And then I had this moment. I'm like, wait a minute. What if that happened while I wasn't aware of it? And I believe these things to be true. So everything you're saying um, from a language standpoint was for me just a reading and a comprehensive standpoint. And another about that too is so that's about language and the written word the visual things the dream part that's fascinating to me too because the dreaming and the hallucinations um those aren't words they're pictures mm -hmm. so the like it's almost like seeing a movie without sound mm -hmm. so i can and i can it's almost like seeing a movie that you influence not almost it's exactly without sound so you can influence it so it is mitigated by your attention you know the more i take I can watch a story. If I have, if I don't have a thought, I can watch it or, you know what I mean? Just watch these visual images. Like you watch clouds going by on a day, like you're sitting on a train and watching the, um, the, the, the greenery going by. If this is like that with the hallucinations, as soon as I say, change that to something, I, I can influence it. And that where I was reached out to all these doctors. I said, listen, I can do this on demand in a lab. Um, you probably have tools to measure it because my eyes are tracking it. 
um, I, there's this thing called smooth pursuit argument where you can't fake it. It's like if something runs across your field of vision, you follow it with a flow. That's what that's what it's like. My eyes are seeing something and my brain is seeing something and uh, it can be measured. Um, and that's what I've wanted to try to do for the last six years. And hopefully next year I'll go to the Smith Kettlewell Eye Institute in San Francisco and we'll do some tests. And I know there's other people that can do this as well. This is a, um, a really fascinating. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's why we're talking. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. Tom, tell us a little bit about um, your experiences during this time. You said you um, you ended up being homeless. The title of the book is Jesus Goes to Hollywood. Did you believe you would have been Jesus? Or how exactly can... Uh, what, what would be the, the, the very normal approach to your story? Well, so as I was delusional and psychotic, um, I, I knew something strange was going on because all these synchronistic events started happening. These uncausal occurrences, I would think of something and the next thing you know, like I would think of a yellow bus and the yellow bus would turn the corner. I would think and I, I was blowing my mind. So I was like, listen, I know I'm using drugs now. I need to get clean and sober. So I checked myself into a treatment center in Antigua, Crossroads, and I'm clean and sober there for a couple of, uh, like, I know, seven days in. So one day, and I wanted to read the Bible, I wanted to, I was raised Catholic, and I talk about this in the book, and I wanted to reconnect with my faith. And uh, I was drinking a red uh, drink, like it was a Hawaiian punch or some kind of red thing. I poured it out on the rocks. This happened. So, and I threw the plastic cup away, and I opened the Bible to the pages Something said, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember exactly what uh, verse or phrase it was, and the blood was spilled upon the rocks. Mm. Well, these things, like all these synchronistic events started happening. My mind, obviously they're not related, but in my, my mind at the time made me think, okay, this is meaningful to me. I gave it more meaning than it should have had. And by the time I left there, and since I was reading the Bible, I believed I was Jesus. Now, that didn't last long. I talk about how, it, uh, <laughs> how that stopped in the book. But um, when your brain is, you know, when your brain was open to whatever mine was because of the drugs I did that opened it, a lot of things can happen. Now, I told you I got MRIs. There's no brain damage. There's no mm -hmm. tumor, strokes, or anything like that do any damage. But something did open in me and it has not closed since then. You know, there's some whatever my brain is rewired some ways and it stayed that way. I mean, the, there are people that say that sometimes when you develop, you go through psychotic stages. And the, I mean, there are people who believe that. But I wanted you to come back to a certain point when you said you you poured the wine or the drink or whatever, and then you read about uh, this uh, uh, Jesus and blood thing, this um, opens questions about what is time. I mean, like, what happened before? Did somebody before write this book, or did you, uh, did somebody write the Bible after you, You know stuff like that. You know, you, you know what I what I want to say. It's not that on a normal chronicle, whatever. It's this way. This is one hundred percent clear. But but if we are talking about a lot of strange things that people can imagine nowadays, you know, like uh, uh, that time is a certain whatever. Sometimes you are also in in stages. Everybody sometimes is in in stages where where there's no time. I mean, there's where you don't experience time. 
and others where you experience it and and you uh, so so I really think this is a bunch of very interesting experiences. For example, I just want to tell you, Tom, maybe you know, of course you know Christopher Nolan, this... Um, um, director. Director, exactly. And um, I was once on a trip to the US and I also was in the US for two weeks in a psychiatric hospital. And uh, when I was on this trip and I was flying, I was also psychotic And um, I thought that um, the world is endangered. And I heard during this flight, I, I saw the, the Dark Knight. This is a, a movie and the director is Christopher Nolan. And I was listening to Guns N' Roses, Riyadh and the Bedouins. There's a song, I think it's more or less, the, the text is more or less, Riyadh and the Bedouins, um, Uh, had a plan and thought they'd win. I don't know exactly what is the what is the text, but but the the meaning was. But I'm crazy, and because I'm crazy, I don't know what their bad plans are, and I will spoil them. You know. So I was on my way in San Francisco. I was on my way to go to Riyadh to back the uh, the sheikhs. Not to destroy, uh, I mean, to because I thought there, there is a threat from the outside that the world is threatened. There is some, some threat to the world. And I have to go to Riyadh and to talk with the, the sheikhs uh, that they will help to defend the world. I mean, I thought they could not be so bad. I mean, maybe they are corrupt. They are, I don't know, whatever, patriarchal. But they, they're for sure they don't want that every, everything will be destroyed. So this was the, the moment when they caught me in San Francisco. And the really 100% funny thing is that Christopher Nolan did a movie uh, that I saw in a cinema uh, this summer. Um... I just forgot the title, but the point is that, that the world was threatened, that the world was threatened by an energy from outside, from a civilization from outside that wanted to eliminate everything, what, what humans did on earth and get the energy to survive themselves. So, but it didn't work out, of course, because they have been heroes and whatever, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, the, the point is not that I think that I'm genius and I, and I felt something in 2008, what, what, what Christopher Nolan also. But this was another example for me that there must be something like ideas and Parts of reality. I mean, like, I don't have no clue, whatever, and I don't want, and nobody ever will find out what this is. But there must be something that is thought from different people to in a different time. Well, you know, there are certain themes where many people go through mental health crisis, especially with schizophrenia, the whole persecution, the whole communicating with aliens, the whole mm. government. That can't be a coincidence, mm. you know? Time travel thing too. These things can't be a coincidence. I can't. I certainly can't explain them. I know I dealt with them, and I know my mind. Like I said, when I was going through it, is different than it is now. Um, when I have a thought now that I call unusual, I can feel the difference between a, a you know what what was it's one time psychotic. Now we'll just call it creative. I'll just mm. use that word. Say it's creative. Mm. 
different than just a regular thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I know it's not true. It's like, oh, this is interesting. So I paid. I've got some distance from it. I don't believe it. See, for me, it's fascinating the difference between a thought and a belief, and then the action on that belief. Taking the action on it is next level. Mm-hmm. So I walked out on my family because I didn't believe it was my family. That's like hardcore believing. You know, that's a complete disconnection from reality. You know, I walked around the six months, or excuse me, six weeks for LA, downtown LA, because I thought the government satellites were following me again. Those mm-hmm. are beliefs, you know, and, um, but you can come back from those things. We can, people can get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times the, people are scared, especially if they know a family member is going through a mental health crisis or having addiction issues, which mine were related. Um, they think there's no hope because when you're in it, it's so bad. And when you're talking to someone, it's so difficult, especially if you're not, you know, you, you're like, oh, this person's hopeless. Maybe, um, but people can get help and they can come out of it. Um, I, I know I did. And I think that's, uh, that's something that especially people that are my age in the forties and fifties, they think a diagnosis is a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I know doctors that say that. I don't believe that that's true. I believe that somebody can change um, for diet, physical activity, you know, help with certain medications. Mm -hmm. So that's something I think is changing. Our our understanding of the brain and and mental health and the medicine is evolving. Thank goodness. You know, people aren't stuck in these labels um, that they they were 20 years ago. Mm So so would you agree that, uh, uh, Tom, that... um Working on your lifestyle, working on your um, uh, nutrition, working on your um, physical wellness and stuff like that. that this contributes to a well-balanced out. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. My, um, that's my medicine. Physical activity, proper diet, taking care of myself. And this, my neurodivergent brain, this is... A, a, fact that I have access to this thing that I call upside, these quote unquote hallucinations, this waking dream state, um, that is, that is very calming. They talk about people who are treated with PTSD with cyclobin um, and mushrooms. Mm. And while they're on these hallucinogens, when they come off of them, they are better connected to the world. Mm. I completely get that because I can access that state anytime. I don't have to mm. be on kind of drugs i'm there i just need to shift my attention if i can do that anytime that means there's something in our brains that i don't know how i don't know if it's training i don't know if it's the past eight years i've used it as a meditation but other people the same things maybe the um drugs started it you know what i mean maybe the mushroom like started but you can stay or not stay in it but have access to it by shifting attention Mm -hmm. um Yeah, so taking care of my physical health and my diet help absolutely helps take care of my mental health. And this, you know, yeah, for sure, 100%. Mm-hmm. Tom, maybe we should add that um, that a lot of these um, uh, psychedelic experiences nowadays are guided by, by people. I mean, if it's a shaman or if it's a, a psychotherapist or if it's, I don't know, clinical, I don't know what. So... Um, Usually, there is somebody who can take you yeah. back. This is I'm, this is important. Of them are, um, especially the ones I'm thinking about, because I read about this a lot. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the guided ones mm-hmm. through a 
trained therapist that they, they this is somebody going to a therapist for PTSD or for whatever other things they treat it for. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking about um uh, for people who do it on their own. Obviously mm-hmm. people are gonna do that, but I'm talking about the medically um trained kind, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for therapy. Mm-hmm. So Tom, what changed for yourself, for your profession after this very intense uh, experience i would say i was in marketing for 20 years and it took a little bit took a little while to get back on the ground but now as i move forward i want to work with mental health marketers and i want to speak i've set up a speaking so i can speak at the mental health conferences at neurodivert neuroscience conferences that is the goal that is what i was going to be doing for 2020 i would had eight of them planned six of them confirmed eight planned um, and hopefully that's what's going to happen in 2021. Um, I was going to speak at the neuroscience, uh, the International Consortium on Hallucination Research. That's a mouthful in Yale this past October. Uh, but they, they, that's you know, they're hopefully it's going to be next year. And there were some other addiction conferences I was going to speak at. Um, but I want to get the message out there, and I want to do research. I want to partner with some academic researchers because this upside hallucinations, I call it, I, it's not like I have to be in some kind of zone. I don't need mushrooms. It's always there. Maybe lucid dreaming studiers, studies on dreaming dreams, excuse me, study with Charles Benet syndrome. Um, what's going on in our brain? Why the, you know, people who are going blind, I've written a blog about this, about people are going blind. Why is their brain creating all this extra activity to create vision? There's, that's meaningful. It's trying to communicate somehow. And I think that's what's not trying to. It is communicating, doing it instead of verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I want to you know, I'm, I'm open to working with some researchers because I think I can add a wealth of information um, about my experience and I can do it in real time. It's not like we have to wait. It's not like I have to, you know, I can I can do it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. So in a way, you found your purpose via this. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. That's good. I, I like that. I'm working on it. Um, and if it's true, then my purpose is to, to educate people about it and let them know that there's a, no matter where they are, they can come back. And um, yeah, and, and a mental, all mental, uh, mental illness diagnosis, I shouldn't say all, I don't know. There's, you can move through them. It's like any other illness. You can come out on the other side. Because I definitely had a diagnosis. I was definitely psychotic, you know. But now I'm not. I was. I'm not. And it wasn't just the drugs. Mostly, sure. Catalyst, sure. But I was psychotic for a long time without the drugs. Mm. Um, but it, life's great now. Actually, life's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a participant in life. And I love it. Mm. Tom, my feeling right now is um, not everybody heard this kind of message yet, but a lot of people are hearing that with a more open heart, a hope, more open mind, and um, are more interested in stories about experiences, uh, psychic experiences. Let's say, what what do you what do you uh, mean? I don't know if I would say psychic. Um, I just, I, I think, especially younger people. Well, let's start with people my age. People at business mm-hmm. people, they, you don't, nobody wants to admit they have a mental illness because mm-hmm. in their 40s and 50s, it's permanent. Um, maybe it's one thing because you come back from addiction and get in recovery. 
But <laughs> a diagnosis of um, bipolar for somebody who's older is not, um, it's not something they don't want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's any kind of metal. But the younger generation, they're more open to it, which yeah. means they're more open, period. Their minds are more open, you know? So understanding, we are, uh, we have absolutely um, evolved mm-hmm. as a, as now, this is, you know, I'm just, I, I, my brain, my personal, you know, if maybe my brain is a mutation, something mutated in my brain for me to do this. Mm-hmm. I've written a blog that too. All these things I would like to confirm with real scientists, not mm-hmm. just hyper- of my own, but I've thought about this for a long time. Um, um, and we're, you know, where these hallucinations are coming from, what I'm seeing. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, I think younger people. And I don't think I know it. They talk about mental illness a lot more than older. That's nothing but a good thing. Mm-hmm. Tom, there is a very prominent and very powerful woman. Her name is Ellen Sachs. She was diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia and she had experiences, psychotic experiences, I think from childhood on. But she really... Um, I mean, she's a professor uh, and I think a psychiatric professor and law professor. And she wrote a New York Times bestseller, um, The Center Cannot Hold. I mean, Tom, you and me, we are in the 50s and she's, I think, 60-something. But maybe in the future, we see more and more people who can hold the center. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe um, what my hope is somebody that's younger reads my story and, and has these experiences. They're not, they're not, they don't do dr- more drugs to drown it out or they don't run from it. They're like, oh, let's go into this. Let's mm-hmm. say like earlier, you can control it or at least mm-hmm. manage. Let's look at it, not be so afraid of it, not try to water it down um, with medicine. You know, I'm not saying, believe me, I'm not saying you shouldn't take medicine because mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. medicine helps but some things i believe are brain and they're changing I, i don't believe it i know it there's no again this is the whole thing i don't have to i could we could talk about this stuff all day long but or i could get into a lab and show you what i can do and if i can do it there's thousands of people maybe millions that can also do it they mm-hmm. just don't yeah And you need to open up for the possibility that it's possible to be healed. I mean, like if you don't, if you close yourself up, and uh, so it would be a very big coincidence that you that you are able to heal. But if if you yourself and society opens up for the for the possibility of being healed, or let's say balanced out, Here's then how I, will, I will talk about this. So we're talking about a, a, a psychic, a hypothetical. So what if? There is a mechanism in the brain that I have opened and dialed into, and it's a communication mechanism. Mm-hmm. So, communicate with other people who are on the same frequency. For example, somebody who's lucid dreaming, mm-hmm. somebody who is on a cyclobin mushroom, mm-hmm. somebody who has syndrome. What if this is another way the brain wants to communicate mm-hmm. by our, our traditional sight and sound? You know what I mean? Voice, hearing, mm-hmm. voice. Well, it is revision related. What if that? I don't know. Obviously, like I said, I've thought about all these things. Um, mm-hmm. That would be now that intrigues me because it's all about being connected, but mm-hmm. in ways that you understand. You know, that's yeah. when you get science fiction. 
but it's it's certainly contested. That's fun. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Yeah, I mean, Tom, if you would have said somebody in the Middle Ages that that I see you via Zoom from Atlanta to uh, to Cologne, Germany, uh, he would have said that I'm crazy. Maybe would have, I don't know. You would have been a witch. Yes. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> okay. So, Tom, um, I, I, I put it together in one word. This is hope and uh, different faculties and bringing material and uh, spiritual, psychic, uh, whatever things in a good balance and bring them together. This is maybe what yeah, you... And I want to say one other thing. I don't know if I touched on it, but but my brain, it, it um, when this happened... I got fascinated and there's an intelligence about it. I got fascinated with math and I started patterns and I became obsessed with it. That was interesting. For the first um, couple of years, all I did was, did, when I got better, was read math, do math proofs and think about mathematical formulas and, and, and um, visualize mathematical patterns and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like an intelligence to this consciousness, you know, and you have to be open to that. Um, so that was that was one thing that was interesting. And in a way, that is hope. You know, you can get better. For me, it was anyway. For me, the intelligence was like, hold on a minute. This is interesting. And that kept me going. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the thing, if you know somebody like right now, it's Christmas time. If you know anybody who's um, having a mental health crisis, um, a stage four mental health crisis or somebody who's almost, you know, having uh, addiction issues. There is hope. They can get out of it. It takes family. It takes work or not necessarily family, but it takes a, it takes a community um, mm -hmm. to, and it takes help. Um, but it's possible. So, yeah, ending this on a message of hope is great. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's keep in touch, Tom, and let's exchange whatever views, contacts and everything. Um, yeah, vielen Dank, Tom. Um, ich habe mich wirklich sehr gefreut über diese verschiedenen äh, interessanten Einblicke und äh, seine Erfahrung. Und ähm, ich werde das Thema Körper und äh, Mental Health Zusammenhänge jetzt auch ähm, mit anderen Gesprächspartnern nochmal äh, besprechen. Das verspreche ich euch. Ähm, ansonsten gibt es den nächsten Podcast in zwei Wochen. Ich wünsche euch gute Feiertage und ähm, dass ihr gut zur Ruhe kommt, dass es euch gut geht, ähm, interessante Anregungen und wir hören uns dann in zwei Wochen. Bis dahin, äh, alles Gute. Tschüss. Musik